Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open, or you just love the convenience of no-shells pistachios, wonderful pistachios is the perfect healthy snack when hunger strikes. I happen to love me my pistachios. Uh, I don't want to screw around with the nuts, so I love the no-shells pistachios. Anyway, there are a bunch of flavors to choose from, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno, lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts, and each ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Literally, $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. (laughs) Hello. Hi, Rob. I hear that you have construction going on at your house right now, and you've told them to skedaddle while we talk. No, um, we're just redoing our roof. Oh, last <laughs> It's just that. But they're going to take lunch. That's lunch, everybody. Five minutes. We've got a podcast with Rob Lowe. <laughs> Welcome to Literally. Uh, it's me, Rob Lowe. Um, Lisa Kudrow. Wow. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Friends! I'd sing the song now, but then you'd turn off the show and that would not be good. I want you to continue to listen. Uh, We've got friend stuff coming up. We have some scoop. And there's some stuff about the Friends reunion. You're going to want to know. But Lisa is not only Phoebe. She's a very, very, very brilliant woman and a great mom and wife and normal person in this crazy world. And just legitimately one of the great people and smart and funny. And uh, this conversation went on and on and on and on. I think we talked for 57 hours, uh, but we've happily edited it down to something that's going to be palatable for you. Um, One of my favorites coming up, the great Lisa Kudrow. There's so much to talk. By the way, I'm so psyched to have you on my humble little show. Uh, Humble little show. I'm having fun doing this. I have to say it's pretty great. I don't know. Everyone who's doing this says it's really fun. 
It is so, fun. I, no, I didn't know it would be it as fulfilling as it is. And it's, it's part of it is just having people on who, you know, do talk shows for a living, but getting to talk to them about stuff that nobody else would ever ask them. Right. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. First of all, I'm obsessed. I'm just going to get right to it because I'm obsessed with something that came up. Not that I need to research you because I could talk to you forever without looking at anything, but I found a, this can't be true. That on the last season of Friends, yeah, they were searching your car. Oh, <laughs> no, my car. And I don't think it was the last season. It was throughout. Okay, it wait, was wait. like okay, on so and off for 10 years. <laughs> they were searching they, and I want to know who they are because that sounds very ominous. We're searching your car to see if you were stealing things from the set. That was Warner Brothers security. Every, like when I would leave. Sometimes they would search my car and I'd go back and ask the rest of the cast, like, so do they search your car too? And they're like, no. Like, why? I mean, like, do they know I'm on the show? Or it was funny. Do you think you have the face of a criminal? I do not have the face of a criminal. I don't don't know. I mean, I just think maybe they just thought, you know, I don't know who this person is, but I know she's not an actress. And she's just leave, she's leaving the lot, and we're but we're meant to search. Do you think they were car. like this person has been on the lot, a lot? I, I don't, and they, I can't figure out why. I, they didn't remember me from like one <laughs> one time to the next. I mean, I was so forgettable to them <laughs> that they just like, oh, all right, we better search. I would have pulled up and been like, listen, yo, Jennifer Aniston has the face of a criminal. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> if anyone's stealing anything, it's Aniston. I don't, Let's and I don't think I ever walked off with anything until the end, and then I took things. What did you take? Um, I took a couple of tops that Phoebe wore. I took all of the Phoebe rings. Matthew Perry, I think he got permission as a gift, gave me this like cookie jar that said "Time" that was in Monica and Rachel's apartment. Because I one time needed to reference the time and I, we forgot, we all forgot that I should wear a watch and there was no, and I saw that cookie jar and just went, oh, look at the time. I got to go. <laughs> Matthew after was like, did you just point to the cookie jar and say, oh, look at the time? That's very funny. That's awesome. I know. I'm such an idiot. It's fun. I do stupid things and it's really funny. I just want to take a little bit more of a deep dive on this because I know that it sounds like a one-off thing. And but but I think it's emblematic of a larger issue uh, because you have to understand, look, friend, you guys were doing friends when uh, we were doing the West Wing. Right. Your your stage is right near the gym. I would yeah. go to the gym every lunch break uh, during the work day and you were never there. None of you. ever. You never worked. None of well, you was, people ever. You just didn't work. Right. What year was that? Our it was season. the last. So ninety nine. So you're okay. coming to. That's towards the end, right? Well, in the middle. Is it at the middle? That's in the middle. Yeah, that's at, that's in the middle. That's when we were allowed to start saying, listen. <laughs> Although 99, we were still working kind of hard. You're like, we only want to make this show if we can make it for 20 minutes a, a day, a week. No, that's not That's what true. it seemed like. But that's not true because we, you know, that show... When we would, you, you've you done a multi-camera show, right? Yep. Have you? I, I, I have. They were all terrible. Okay. But, you know, you rehearse. 
Yes. And then you do it in front of an audience, a half yes. hour show, a 26 yes. minute, whatever year it is, right? Yeah. And most places it takes like two hours to do 20 minutes in front of an audience. But our writers, you know, and our showrunners were so diligent. They, they, you know, it could be better. So we would take six to eight hours to shoot a show. And, and when we started, we were doing, starting the show at like, what, like six o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night, you know, so that it felt like theater at night. And yeah. mm-hmm. so then we're not done till like two in the morning. So then we started to request, let's do it earlier so that, you know, our whole, we have no weekend. We have Saturday. Yes. And then like part of Saturday and then Sunday, but because it would just take so long. So yeah, we did, we did make that request. You, you were able to cut those hours down uh, a ton because, you know, on, and, and, you know, our dramas, of, as you know, are also, they, they take even longer to do. On the West Wing, well, on our first yeah. year, our first year of the West Wing, on Friday, on Friday workdays, we wrapped Saturday mornings at 5.30 a.m. Yeah. Uh-huh. Every single Friday. Yeah. No, it's too much. No, that's too much. I, no, I wouldn't. That's I would never have been able to do that. But it is an easier schedule, a multi-camera show is ridiculously easy. You're just rehearsing. And after a while, we've all got it down. There aren't that many notes from, you know, Marta and David from the writers. You know, there aren't that many notes for us because we got the characters. So they know what they need to rewrite. It's mostly story stuff. They're not fretting the beating the jokes, you know, if they can, you know, find a better joke. So, yeah, that there just wasn't rehearsal time wasn't we didn't need as much rehearsal time. So the days got shorter. When did you first know that um, Friends had become the Beatles? Um, When we were on Oprah Mm. after our first season. And she said she they made this packet like this package showing people. You know, in um, what they were like internet coffee houses with internet like chat rooms and stuff. And then people were having parties to watch together. And she was showing us all that. And we were just like, huh? (laughs) And she just looked at us and said, you don't know. You all don't know any of this. (laughs) And we just went, no, did you? No. Mm -mm." You're like, they're searching my car. (laughs) Of course, I don't know that I'm I'm a member of the Beatles now. They security doesn't still doesn't fully trust me. Yeah. But um maybe because I didn't have a nice enough car. Oh, oh I okay. was really well, here, conservative. You, you, you waded right into this. You I you don't blame me now. Because you started it. What'd I say? Uh-oh. The parade of expensive automobiles. Well, at first. That would what roll up to that set. I remember Brad Whitford in his Prius. Yeah. Just shaking his fist. He'd be like David Schwimmer, you and your Maseratis. It was, you, you guys had a showroom. You had a, a, an expensive used car showroom by the end. Yeah. Not me. No, not you. I, well, I, the most expensive car I had when I was a Mercedes, like sedan. Very, very respectable, very normal. Then I got, um, which I loved, like a Lexus, you know, those little sort of SUVs. Yep. Yeah. 
I had a kid. And so I it must have been – yeah, the thing is you were – people forget. You were married. You had a, a small baby. You were not – you were in a different phase of your life than everybody else in the cast, really, right? That's right. Until the very end, Courtney, you know, was pregnant that last season. Yeah. That's got to have added a, something really cool and interesting and different to the to the dynamic. When it's a click, it's literally friends. But mm-hmm. you're totally ahead of everybody in in leading your life. Uh, did, how did, did how did that ever manifest itself? I'm trying to think. I mean, when I was there, I was there, and you know, it's not like because my son was so little. I think he was five or six when we finished. You know, a set really isn't a place for a toddler to be <laughs> running around and aware of. Like, okay, the bell rang. You know. It wasn't a fun place for him. So he wasn't there that much, actually, it turns out. <laughs> um, yeah, I I can see that. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, sure. it's fine for a quick visit or – but not, like, to spend all day with mommy. Cause, and then I also did not like him experiencing me not as mommy. Because mm. Phoebe is not his mother. Phoebe doesn't have children, you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't – but – and then as a consequence, so I'd be, when I was home and we're watching something and there's Jennifer, like the show was on. And then there's Jennifer and Julian, my son went, mommy. I was like, no, no, that's, you know, that's a different per You can't see that's a different person. Or is that just wishful thinking? <laughs> Cause oh my God, that's too funny. I mean, when he did like see Jennifer, he'd like crawl into her lap and like, all right. What are you going to do? Prefer, you prefer her. Right, a lot of people do. That's fine. Um, <laughs> she's lovely. How much, yeah. How much of it is the hairstyle, really, <laughs> truthfully? How much How much of Jennifer Aniston's success can we blame on Chris McMillan? No. And, and, <laughs> no. and the Rachel? No. Absolutely not. Not. She, she looks was good fantastic any, from the first minute from the she first was Rachel. Minute. I mean, it's <laughs> nothing hairstyle. to do with the hairstyle. Are you trying to get me to like? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm just looking. I'm just looking for clickbait. Really, I that's know. all. That's, yeah. I mean, ask anybody who knows me. This is nothing but a clickbait trap. The show. <laughs> it's all just gotcha questions after gotcha questions. And Wait, do you know? I don't think I ever told you that my very first sort of. Uh, well, I went to a Christmas party, and it was my first time I was at a party with, where there were celebrities. And it mm. was, I was like 20-something, and friends, and I don't know how we became friends. I became friends with Melissa and Sarah's aunt, Stephanie. Oh, yes. Yes. She was fantastic. She's great. Stephanie. Yeah, of course. And she brought me to the family Christmas party. And so you were there. And I was like, oh, no. God, I don't belong here. What? That's Rob. That's Melissa Gilbert. Oh, my God. Oh, they're the most beautiful couple I've ever seen. They're beautiful. Why did I even think I could be in this business? I get <laughs> no it. No way. I get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was, was the that a thrilling thing to see in real life. Like, people that beautiful, what do they look like in real life? And it's like, oh, God, they're that beautiful in real life. Well, Holy you were, 
cow. You were so nice to say I that. I dying. I mean, well, it's first facts. of all, not true. It's not, not nice. Tr- it's facts. Is it facts? I mean, these are facts. I mean, there's, you know, some beauty is subjective, but then there's the kind that's objective. I mean, and that's mm. you. Melissa, I, I mean, in real, I, she was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, she was, she was a beautiful, still is beautiful. And I yeah. I remember those Christmas Christmases at, at Melissa's house because her she comes from a long line of, of stand-up comics. And it's the first time I had ever seen old-time comedians and experienced how competitive comedians can be. Mm-hmm. And I remember being struck by the fact that everybody was sitting around a couch and one by one, they would get up and stand up to talk. They would look. Go, well, I mean, that reminds me of a story when I was working at the Brown Derby, and they would stand up. <laughs> Take and I was like, space. "What is going on?" Yeah. I mean, I'm just like a Midwestern goyim. I don't know from this world. <laughs> Wait, um, I listened to one of your books. I thought you were in Malibu. I was in Malibu uh, when I was 13, but oh, previous 13. to that, yeah, the dangerous time. To be in Malibu. Oh, it was great to live in Malibu at 13. 13. It was all, it was all, there were no yeah. parents. The parents were all doing est, <laughs> yeah. you know, letting the kids, you know, raid not only the, the, the Coke vial and the cookie drawer. It was fantastic. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Can you imagine? I mean, you didn't raise your kids like that. Ooh, I, I went, I went the total opposite way. I, I, total disciplinarian, um, big time, like academic. Mm-hmm. you know, police and tried to beat every living creative instinct out of them. You did? Hmm. All right. I why, remember. Cause, why? Because it didn't work out for you? Well, <laughs> yeah, because it's been, it's, being creative <laughs> has been so detrimental to my life. Um, I know, huh? <laughs> huh? But look, but you also know that it's that weird thing of what we do, I, is, you're ne- Listen, Henry Fonda thought he was not going to work again to the day he died. Okay. And that's just like some therapy could help out with that. Well, I've done that too and continue to do so. Right. Um, I've thought that too. We all think that. And I was like, wouldn't it be great to have, I don't want my kids to grow up with this insecurity and I'd like to have some stability and not all the kooky, crazy pitfalls and, and. And I remember like going to like different schools to put them in or not put them in. And like, we're very creative here. We put on the school play every year. I'm like, I don't need that. They see that all the fucking time in my life. Right. I need you to teach them how to multiply. Right. How about some long division? Yeah. How about that as an opening gambit? Well, so, most schools cover it. So that's <laughs> that's what I did with, with my 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 boys. And, and I know, look, I don't know what my th- point is. It sounds like I'm trying to say, well, you've made a mistake. Like I don't know why why I'm arguing with you. No, and you're not arguing. You're, you're, you actually you're right. are. I you're, mean, we did too. We we had our son in a very traditional school, and you know it wasn't a great fit. It turns out because he was more creative and well creative. If, and that's but that's a good thing. If you really truly are creative, right? It's going to come out no matter what you do, right? And that's when oh. you're good to go, right? Got um, it. I had somebody on the show who told me some great old time actor said to a young actor, quit if you can. Yeah. And that's really what what it's about. I didn't want to lead with yeah. 
the creative. I wanted to lead with the other because knowing the creative will get through no matter what. And and indeed, my oldest son, sorry, my youngest son, John Owen, who in the, you this reminded me of of you reading about you. He was um, he's a, a published author in a research wow. paper on stem cell biology, <laughs> as you are with headaches, as it turns out. Right. A lot of people don't know that, Ms. Kudrow, very smart cookie. Um, and you went into a traditional, you know, route of uh, 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 medicine and research and and the creative. You, you can't. It's like that opening shot of the Beverly Hillbillies where the oil comes out of the water. You just can't uh-huh. stop it. Yeah. You know, also, I feel like these younger people have a different kind of self-esteem. Mm. It's a lot. There's something it's stronger than ours. Why I mean, Why just, is that? I agree. Why is that? Oh, well, I think. I think partly because of a combination of the way they were parented and then at school, the level of respect they were shown, Ooh. you know, at, at school by not their peers. That's never changed. Um, but even amongst their peers, it's a little better. I feel like, you know, the, the crazy meanness, you know, is that used to just be allowed because that's what kids do. They'll figure it out, you know, that stuff. Um, it's just, it's better. And and they just seem a little more centered. Well, that's what I'm seeing. I'm sorry. That's what I'm seeing in the I people love that. who are actors or, or in the arts, you know. Um, that's what I'm seeing. I, I, I'm very uh, optimistic looking at, at the kids. Me too. Really Me super too. optimistic. It's so different, just the way they treat each other. And also just, um, it does seem like there's just like this underlying, uh, what is it? It's just like an, an improved level of respect for each other. It's true. Really and they good. and they also, like you say, the schools um, are, are so different. You know, my one of those courses Johnny got an A plus in. The only school. The only uh, A plus he got at Stanford was in women's studies, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, I did women's studies." Was it wasn't at Stanford? It was the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> and was it women's studies? Probably not. Not really. No. I like when my uh, my producer Devin, who uh, Devin is on my screen here, and I like when, when my producer Devin gives me the look. It's the look my mom used to give me. <laughs> It's the exact same look. It's like the sh- like he's laughing and the shaking of the head with like a thought bubble that says, oh, that Rob. No, but Hard Rock Cafe is known for its two full weeks just on um, um, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. H- Hard Rock Cafe <laughs> was as it, it, lame as it sounds, and it sounds lame, I'm very aware, was the pinnacle of hip, fun Show do you love at the Hard Rock Cafe. Hard Rock Cafe. Lame or, how lame were we in the 80s? But you, were you no, on I that didn't. scene? No. No. Absolutely not. I mean, A, I wouldn't have been invited or tolerated there, but also. Tolerated. But, uh, yeah. We but won't also, tolerate it. <laughs> we won't we tolerate won't. her here. <laughs> but also, I mean, nightclubs were death to me. I mean, it, that is like being in a prison cell, being in a nightclub. I don't like crowds. A lot of times people ended up in actual prison cells. Well, yeah, I, but I don't like uh, crowds. I don't like uh, uh, mobs. Mm-hmm. And any gathering of more than 20 people to me 
in too small a space can become a mob. And then you add like music and dancing. I mean, I'm like someone from 1950s and rock and roll, you know, makes kids crazy. You know, that I could, that was that was my mindset about it. Like concerts at a big arena. I just would I would sit the whole time going, how do I get out? Where are the exits? Like when everyone is when everyone's stampeding, how do I get out alive? It's the I it's such a weird thing I have. I think that's actually pretty great. Having been in a stampede once. Um, oh, no, really? Yeah, I was at the um, and, it, and the whole thing was covered up in the papers the next day. It was in Las Vegas. It was after the after Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear off in the ring. And you were people there, were course. so irate. It was the MGM. People spilled out into the casinos, started overturning tables and stealing the chips. Oh, and. And then there was gunfire. Whoa. And then they, as or as they said in the paper, in a minor incident, champagne corks popping caused confusion. Oh. In the, meanwhile, it was gunfire oh. in the casino. You were People there? People stampeded. It was really, really, really scary. I'm sweating hearing about it. So where'd you go? What'd you do? How'd you survive? I took, I was with Cheryl and I took her down a hallway there was nobody in the hallway, but there were people, you know, a hundred people behind us coming down this little narrow hallway and there was a door and it was open. And as we got close to the door, a security guard saw us, eyes got wide and went to shut the door. And I was worried about being crushed. Uh. So I lit that. So I lowered my head and like, I was like, a, I was like, a, you know, a, a, a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. It was like Michael Strahan putting yeah. a hit and we got through the thing and then we went up and, and a friend had a room and we hid up in the, in the hotel. Uh, well, that wasn't in the papers. That was none of it. At none all. of it was in the paper. Why? Zero. Why do you think? Why do you think? Why not? I think, I think it's still a company town, you know? I mean, listen, the Bellagio got oh, robbed got oh, okay. a couple of years ago yeah. and not a, like, not really a word. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I, I think. yeah. You know, my uh, my grandfather, my mother's father, died in Las Vegas at a table while he was playing something, and I kept looking. There were no, there was no like Las Vegas newspaper in 1949. So I, I was like, wouldn't it be reported somewhere if someone died? And then you're just making making it all make sense. Not in Las Vegas. Sorry. Not in Las Vegas. Not in Las Vegas. Yeah. Hold the thought. We'll be right back. Summer is almost here. Are you ready to throw open your windows or throw them away? If they're drafty, foggy, or impossible to clean, talk to your friends at Window World. Window World specializes in home transformation with beautiful, energy-efficient windows, entry doors, and siding, featuring Energy Star certification and the good housekeeping seal. Call 1-800-WINDOW-WORLD, schedule your free consultation, and tell them you heard about it here on Literally with Rob Lowe. Window World, America's exterior remodeler. Well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas, vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. 
I go like this. The people of Dallas, the culture of Austin. And I love anytime I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, golf is nuts there, foodies. You got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Rob. Yes. I mean, no, I guess we should talk about what you want to talk about, but. No, we want to talk about I just want to say thank you for doing Who Do You Think You Are? Remember when you did Who Do You Think You Are? Of course I remember. It's gotten me on a continuing journey of continuing to look at my ancestry. I thank you for making the show. Yeah, it's a good show. Here's me. Yeah. Instead of no, you're welcome. And yes, I love it. Thank you. But thank you mostly for doing it. It was such, that was one of my favorite episodes. It was so extraordinary. And it, you know, it took us like three years to collect all the research because that was before a lot of things were digitized. It's, yeah. it is, um, it was I remember it vividly. I, first of all, I, I've always loved you and been a fan and, and I loved that idea and I loved the, the, sh- the show. And it was one of those things where you go, oh my God, am I really going to eight days and I'm going to travel somewhere and I don't know where it's, and I, uh, it's daunting. And I was like, one of the things I've, I've learned, I tell people is that yes is usually the answer. Yeah. And uh, every time I've said yes to a sort of jump ball, like, do I really want to go on this trip or do I really want to have dinner with this person? And usually it's ended up being something special. And this doing your show and and going on that journey um, was was so moving to, yeah. to learn about my my family's history. It was extraordinary. It's an incredible history, too, that we don't learn about. We don't learn about it, but at all. Yeah. No, I know. And this is, it's a tricky show because it's not like it helps anyone's career that you're taking eight days to go shoot something, you know, but it's such a fantastic, moving, emotional experience that just connects you to so many things you had no idea and parts of history you're connected to. But I'm honestly, did you, were you really, because, you know, it seemed like the, you know, we know what the kind of what the journey might be, you know, because we know what the documents are. And, and, you know, we kept it the way the researchers discovered it, which is, you know, yes, you 
have an ancestor who someone submitted an application for, you know, uh, Daughters of the American Revolution, you know, that you have an ancestor who fought in the Revolutionary War, which was thrilling to you. Yes. And to go and to see him on a prisoner's list, you're like, oh, wow, these are that German name. So he was captured by Hessian, Hessian mercenaries. And then, oh, take a look at the, he was a Hessian mercenary. He was there. To fight Fighting the against yes. my my seventh time great grandfather fought literally eye to eye against George Washington, Alexander Hamilton. I think it's the Battle of Trenton where there yeah. was li- literally like the who's who was there. Yeah, that when Washington crossed the Delaware, he crossed the Delaware to fight my grandpa. Yeah. And took him and took him prisoner. My grandpa was probably drunk. <laughs> well, oh, right. That's right. They were. They all were was drunk. Part of it the was problem. Christ- they were drunk. They were drunk because it was Christmas Eve. That's right. These patriots made a sneaky Christmas Eve attack. That's right. And and then to find out that, and then there was a, because we needed to populate our country, we would give amnesty to anybody who would renounce their former country and s- swear an oath of allegiance to the United States. My grandfather did it and actually then was raising money for the local militias, which then by proxy made him a, a participant on the other side now yeah. of the American Revolution. Yeah. No, it's extraordinary that like the forethought of our founding fathers who treated these Hessian soldiers who weren't there on principle. They just had... There was nothing for them in their own country, and they needed to make money, right? So they'd hire well. Not only that, out. my my grandpa was was seventeen when he arrived here in seventeen seventy six. Yeah, um, as a Hessian soldier, he was the like the third youngest, and so his oldest brother would have gotten the family farm. He would have gotten nothing, and when the Hessians came to the village and enlisted people, you went. Like if right. you didn't go. No, no, there like was your no family was going to have real problems. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because it's whoever is ruling that part, like Hess, right? Hess, whoever Hess, was yeah. ruling in, Hess. In, in the middle of Germany, yeah. Hesse. Then Hesse. you go where they tell you to go. That Duke is in charge, right? The Duke of Hess. Yeah, right. You didn't have a choice. That's right. But they were treated so well here and had the opportunity to own land. Which and it looks just like their native country. That's what was really insane is uh, the part of Pennsylvania where my where my family, you know, founded um, looks exactly like the part of Germany they were where they were from. Like oh, you wow. couldn't replicate it. It was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, that's such a cool thing that you did that. I love that that was – and your story that you had with your family was just unbelievably moving too. Yeah, yeah, that was tough, I have to say. That was not yeah. – that was tough. But um, but the experience of doing it was also a whole other experience, I have to say. Just, yeah, the, the people I met there who, you know, I, I don't know. It was just really, it was. Now, did 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 my friend Rashida Jones end up doing the show? Yeah, that was. She did, because when, when I was on Parks and Rec, I had more people, by the way, you should know, I have more people coming up to me going, hey, I'm th- should I do this shit? Did you have fun doing? Who oh. do you think you are? I'm like, yes, do it, do yeah. it, do it. Yeah. And I don't know that fun is the word. No, it's not fun. Every second. It depends on the story because it's usually, you know, emotionally uh, deep, 
you know, a little tough. Rashida's story was unbelievable. And her mother came for the second half because it was her mother's family that Rashida was looking into. And her mother joined her. Um, was it in Romania? Great Peggy Lipton. Yeah. Peggy Lipton. That, that might have been. I'm thinking Susan Day and the Partridge family. Peggy Lipton. Oh, and um, Josie and the Pussycats. Those were the three things that lit my fuse when I was seven years old. No, Peggy Lipton was it on the Mod, Mod Squad? Squad? No, there was, yeah, that was it, Peggy Lipton. But um, no, that was great that they could do that together. And yeah, so that turned out to be a Holocaust story. That was, that was brutal. I mean, yeah, we all think it's just someone else's family. I did anyway. It's like, well, concentration camps. My family wasn't in a concentration camp. So we missed, you know, we avoided that. And then now there were the death squads. There were all kinds of other things. Yeah. It was- and that, you know, that it makes you appreciate your life. You know, it makes you appreciate their, their sacrifice. You know, yeah. Um, no, and also my grandmother, you know, who to me was sort of a tricky person but when I saw where she came from and I saw, you know, then she goes to New York and she's in like this tenement and oof. I mean, it was tough. I mean, yeah, it made me just um, understand not everyone is extraordinary, you know, and you have to allow people their stuff just because they're not extraordinary in overcoming things that people can't really overcome. You know, it's too much trauma. Yeah. It, yeah. I, 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 I talk uh, sometimes a lot about that kind of stuff on the show. Cause I'm a big believer in therapy and, and that we, you know, we have to put a, like, not a stop, but like, it's up to us in our lifetimes to, to make right the stuff that we've inherited from folks who didn't have the wherewithal or yeah. the learning or, 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 or any of it, it's kind of going back to what you were saying about the schools today is like, we've, we, we don't do what we did, you know, you know, uh, two decades ago, like no. some of that, that just doesn't fly anymore. And, or even a for, decade ago. Even a I mean, decade ago. A oh decade God, ago. Five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I feel like schools had been really scrutinizing kids way too much. And, you know, oh, they're not paying attention. Let's give them a pill. You know, just oh, when I was in the first grade, they they pulled me out of class and had my mom come for an emergency session because I couldn't color inside the lines. And that when asked, they I said my favorite color was black, and they're like, "He is mentally ill." <laughs> and and my mom was like, "I'm sorry, what?" Yeah, no, they they were like, "He'll never." I mean, he's got. I couldn't color inside the lines. Could not do it. Favorite color black. Never going to amount to anything. No, I mean, but see, but that is the influence of certain kinds of therapy. But, you know, there are, to me, the issue is we don't know a lot about how our brains work. We know more than we used to. But, you know, these sort of fad therapy things making their way into schools is not always great, I don't think. You know, it's like they they were like, ooh, black. And he won't color in the lines. He's like depressed or off or something's wrong. Like, no, no, his brain's developing. He likes black right now. Check back in five years. It'll be okay. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it's funny. I remember the other thing we talk about, like is 
whatever shame you have in this life or anything, that's always something that needs to be rectified. I always think about that. One of the earliest times I remember feeling so ashamed was in the second grade, they had what had to have been one of the earliest video cameras ever made. And I remember them, they just propped it in the corner and turned it on. And I'm doing, and we're always doing our work. And I thought, and I can remember vivid, like it was yesterday thinking, this is going to be the most boring thing anybody has ever watched. So I would get up and literally like make a cross, like an actor would <laughs> to go and like sharpen my pencil and then come and sit down and write some more. And then I would think, God, this is fucking interminable. Who's ever going to, and then I'd like get up and go to the chalkboard and do it. And at the end of the class, they were like, um, Rob Lowe, can you stay after class, please? We need to talk to you. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, you're hyperactive. Oh, why? Because you wouldn't stay. You, you are stay hyperactive. Seated. You cannot sit in your seat. And I did not. And I remember thinking vividly, I was doing it on purpose. I was doing it because it was boring. <laughs> you got that thing, the camera, it's going to be off. And what if you so, said, I'm your show? I I'm am the show. show. <laughs> this is the show. Me getting up, sharpening a pencil. Come on, man. There were no so, crosses. That was just Someday dead. people are going to pay me good money to do that. <laughs> and but that's okay. what I, but how crazy, I was literally in the seventh grade, not seventh grade, second grade in second Dayton, grade. Ohio. And I was thinking like a filmmaker, but didn't that's even know that I was. Fantastic. And that's got fantastic. in so much trouble. That's a lot fantastic. Of trouble. I mean, not fantastic. Sorry. But did your mom, was she worried or did she just go? That's Luckily, fact. they didn't. To my knowledge, they didn't like write a letter home or anything because you can think of how that could actually go bad, all joking aside. It's like the next thing you know, I'm on Ritalin or whatever. Who knows? Right, 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 right. But I also was aware enough to know that I was misunderstood, which yeah. is a whole other podcast. I This project had literally, I'm going to start another one called Misunderstood because yeah. I have a lot, I think a lot of us who end up in this business have multiple stories like that where I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you just don't understand being misunderstood. Yeah. Oh, completely. Always. I thought that was everybody's experience though, you know? And I think actors, you know, there's different categories of why they want to go into it. And I think the most common explanation people like to just like, oh, they just want attention. And, you know, there's a whole other thing, which is, no, they just like being other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> They're just really interested in understanding other people. So they want to inhabit other people. So they can The other thing understand. people mistakenly say is, oh, well, th- they must be really good liars because they're actors. Oh, yeah. No, I can't lie. Me neither, because you're a good actor. Because I, only bad actors lie on uh, screen. Interesting. Good actors tell the truth on screen. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good. You are smart. I mean, no, no I've known that, but yeah. I've no, known but you, that. If you think about it, like people, and I get it, you know, to the to the regular person who's just a fan of movies and TV, they, they would, well, why should they ever give the amount of thought to acting that we do? But I, I can see why they would think that. But what, what, as you know, what we do is somebody puts something on paper that has nothing to do with anything. It's a lie. It's made up. Right. And our job is to make it truthful. Yeah. Although these days, a lot of them seem to be transcripts of actual <laughs> events and things and parts of people's lives. 
you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you watching today? What's your thing? You have a, like a, what's on your queue? Yeah, I know. I'm always asking people that. I've run out of things. I mean, yeah, I, we sailed through Queen's Gambit because that was just so good. So and good. The Crown. Um, yep. Oh, I just got a preview of Shonda Rhimes' Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. That's going to be on. I loved it. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it yet. Ah. When I do we get it. the it Friends fun. reunion, the famous Friends reunion? Yeah, uh, we're going to shoot that in the spring, early, early spring. And is it, do we, do we, you know, obviously, is it, what is it? <laughs> well, it's the not hell a is script, it? it's not a reboot or a, it's not like a scripted thing. We're not portraying our characters. It's us getting together, you know, which, you know, just doesn't happen a lot and has never happened in front of other people right. since 2004 when we, when we stopped. So, Yeah. It's, so it's 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 reminiscing and just and just catching up and talking and it's that, that's going to be great. Is there a moderator or not? There's no moderator. You guys hang. Is it you just having like nachos over at Jen's house? I, yes, like if I were it. directing Period. it, I would be like, here's what it is. <laughs> it's Aniston is making margaritas and nachos. Yeah. And 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 hijinks ensue. That's sort of what I wanted it to be. Like just uh, we're having dinner and then you intercut with other things and, you know, but, but I, yeah, I don't know. There's different facets to it, you know, and, and um, some like already shot packages of things. I don't know fully, to be honest. I really don't. I'm, but I pre-shot something for it already. So we're definitely doing it because I already shot a little something. I'm so interested in it. I mean, because the other thing is, it when you guys first announced it, it was pre-COVID um, and pre-reunions of absolutely everything that you can. I mean, I've seen Urkel's reunion. I've right. seen, the, the you know, What's Happening Now, I think, had uh-huh. a reunion. Right. Um, yeah. I know I've been in Parks and Rec and West Wing. So, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying there's a really high bar now. I'm just saying. I, I you know. know. You've got to. I know. I mean. Well, we'll see what happens. You know what? You get what you get. And you don't. Be you get what you get. <laughs> it's the friends. It's the fucking Beatles. Listen, if the Beatles walked into the room, they could ju- literally just walk into the room. And I'd be thrilled. All right. So that, and that's what our show is. We're just walking into rooms. I would, I would, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, I would be like, oh, oh. Well, I mean, we're walking into a coffee house room. We're walk. I think some sets will be up that we've not been in. I mean, the coffee house I've been in now and then, you know. But um, I have a hot take on the coffee house. What's what's that? It's ugly. Okay. Um, I don't like it. I right. well, that's a very popular opinion. Oh, good. It's not no, a hot take. No, it's not. I mean, it's not a popular opinion. I don't think. Oh, I see. It's, I, was being, I find I find it to look. First of I was all, lying. I, I, you see, and I didn't do it well. And you didn't see. You couldn't do it well. To your point, you're a truth teller. Mm-hmm. You are a truth teller. Um, but then again, it's it's that's it's the '90s. Everything was like that. There's a lot of fabric. Yeah, a lot of fabric. Yeah, yeah. Well, look I at mean, the, the boys are wearing the frame on the door now. That's like a little too cute. But then it was like, oh, look at that. Yeah, I still think. Is it the purple? Is it the walls yeah. are purple? The door was purple. Yeah, that's. I don't the pur- remember. I have what a purple. The ah, the purple thing is like. 
My post-traumatic stress about the friends purple. <laughs> that's, that's that's my what take. Post-traumatic stress. Okay. Well, that and the fact that you guys that, that all the guys had better cars than I did. I'd be like, like I said, going to the gym, <laughs> grinding my ass out, and you know, sh- yeah. there'd be you know Matt LeBlanc going. Oh what do you well, think? He, well, he's a car guy. Oh yeah. Right. He's a big car guy. Courtney also knows cars. So, so your story of them searching your car. Yeah. Did did <laughs> did you ever have? Because you guys made it in an L, in a time of television where it was the gold rush. Right. It was there was money vomiting out of every sewer pipe in the world. Wow, that's not how it felt. You know. Did you ever have them <laughs> gift you with elaborate gifts? No, have us. Uh, no, they didn't. I mean, we would hear about people getting outrageous gifts. And um, yeah, one year there was an issue and it was actually like someone wrote about it, you know, um, and we didn't get anything, I think, because um, I think the studio got like, ugh, like this show got they all got cars. Yes, cars. So should we give them Cars? No, you and, should get planes. If and they, one if, of our <laughs> one of our executive producers was like they have cars. They don't need cars. So then there was nothing. And and that's a bad producer. He went we, from you were about to get cars <laughs> to you now now got nothing. Well, what do we? I mean, we didn't we didn't need cars, you know. And and yeah, I don't know. It was just because um, the truth is, you know, yeah, we didn't need anything. So make a donation somewhere, you know. And that's what we would do with the executive producers. It's like, look, we've all done well. So for Christmas, we'll make a donation, you know, right. somewhere that you like, you know. But then it was like, well, you know, I, I like gifts. Like, okay, so we'll get you a gift. Yeah. That's the stories of those era, of that era, I mean, that I remember so vividly, there was a show called Providence on NBC. That sounds familiar. At the same time, it was... Um, she's a great actor, Melina Kenakaridis. Oh yeah, right, yeah. And they got her a Range Rover. Yeah. Providence. Melina Kenakaridis. What do you right, think you're going to get? Jen Aniston and Lisa Kudrow and Friends. Well, that was one person. There were six of us. Ooh, that's true. I know, and I say it like you know, money was tight. No, it wasn't because the show was making them so much. No, no, it was it was a gusher. <laughs> that show, it still is. On, uh, on the same lot, same company, ER, yeah, was crushing, and they they gave every department head a million dollar check. What? Yeah, yeah. They did. Yeah. Who's they? Who the producers? Um, I, th- I, I think John Wells did. Okay. That what I sense. what I'd heard is he when they made this the, the that next big yeah syndication deal that John yeah. gave everybody, and then so I, my my eyes are filled with stars with all of this. And it's the West Wing, and and we've just, I, I think at that time, done really well at the Emmys, more than anybody ever done, and it was a thing, and you guys were killing it, and John Wells is one of our producers who just give a million dollars to ER, and Melina Kenakaridis has got a Range Rover, and Will and Grace all got Boxster Porsches. And, right, that's right. And, right, they got but yeah. they got Porsches, and I remember that, yeah. John Spencer, God bless him, is my, my best friend on the West Wing. We, they made an announcement that the studio was coming down to give us gifts based on, it was right after the Emmys. And John and I were like, is it a car? 
what kind of car is it going to be? Or is it a check? <laughs> this is going to be the great. And we're all in the Roosevelt room set, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the heads of uh, AOL Time Warner because they had just merged and everybody, money was flying and the internet was, it was all great. And in comes the president of the studio and he says, we're just so proud of what you guys have accomplished. It's not only a hit TV show, but it's it says something about our country and it says something about this new company, AOL Time Warner. Right. And we couldn't be more proud to give you just a, a small Wait, token can I just, of our- I've got, I've got a list in my head. A coffee truck, so you can each get oh like God, a latte, you or truly, or you tr- a baseball you, cap, a sweatshirt. See, Kudrow, this is why list. <laughs> you are not just a pretty face because you are not a smart cookie, and you know where the oh bodies are buried. Wait, it's not so your first rodeo, it? is it? No, but what was it? It was a single serving espresso maker. Oh my God, it was. Yep, for each of you to have like. A oh machine. no no no. No, 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 no. Oh, just for everyone to take a turn? Just for everybody. <laughs> and then in 10 hours, everyone will have been served an espresso if you like it, if you like espresso. And it was, my wow. favorite part was it was under a sheet with a voila moment. Oh, shit. But that was going to be in your craft service forevermore. Forever. Forever. That is for West Wing to use. One at a time. For whatever that show accomplished, I know that it got us an espresso maker. That's from the great. studio. <laughs> That's really great. And we'll be right back after this. Looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without so much hassle? Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning future. Just spray today, rinse tomorrow, and voila! Enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub without any scrubbing. It's the secret to a hassle-free clean bathroom that many are discovering. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner has proven its effectiveness on shower glass, fixtures, tiles, and more, ensuring everything shines with minimal effort. This product has gained a loyal following thanks to its once-a-week application that makes it a standout in the cleaning aisle. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner, available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on a chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to Effortless Clean. Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meath. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA Scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com 
or in-store. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy, thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com Rob. BarkBox is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. And then before we go, I want to hear about Space Force. I'm obsessed with the actual Space Force. I didn't I heard- know it was such a thing. I didn't know it was a real thing when I shot it. Like the idiot actually saw like the State of the Union where President Trump said something about Space Force. And I like texted Steve and, and Steve Carell and Greg Daniels. Yeah. Wait, there, it's a real thing. <laughs> They're like not even responding. And then, yeah, right. Yes, it is. <laughs> Did you see this week that they revealed the motto of the Space Force? No, what? Yeah, th- th- this week. Oh, Guardians. Wait, it's not. Yes. the, gar- the So I guess in the, in, in the Navy, well, like you'd be an aviator if you were in the Air Force. You'd right. be a soldier if you were the um, Army. Um. If you're in the Space Force, you're a guardian. You're a guardian. Right. Isn't that from... Um, well, I, I immediately, I texted... Disturbing. I, I texted Chris Pratt. And I was like, um, you're a guardian. You're a guardian. That's established. You are <laughs> the guardian of the galaxy. Well, oh, guardians of the galaxy. But then also I thought, um, God damn, you know, the Hulu, it's really big. The show that I oh. can't watch. Handmaid's Tale. Oh, oh, yeah. Like the bad people are the guardians. (laughs) That's not good. Well, they're like the guards at the gate at Warner Brothers. They don't know. They are the guardians that make sure I'm not leaving with a with a lamp or anything. By the way, that's not true. I love the every guards at the gate. They're they're always a Mr. Lowe makes me feel like I'm in show business. It's the last vestige, by the way, of what it was like to be Clark Gable. Yeah, truly. Right, right, right. No, they're really nice. They are nice. They were always nice. And I think then after, you know, that happened a couple times and then I mentioned it on a talk show, then it kept happening just because I think they got a kick out of me mentioned. But it was really funny. And I did love because, you know, I don't know about you, but the first time like people know who you are and you're financially secure, you know, in that moment. Right. And there's a little bit of like, uh oh, what's the other shoe that's going to drop? I don't know if you have that, but I I do. And so when they would stop me, I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. You just put me back on my spot. Thank you. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. I, I, you, you talk about it as the other shoe to drop. I always, I'm always like, what is that light at the, uh, down the train tracks? Oh, that's the oncoming train. <laughs> that's, that's sort of. I don't know why that makes me laugh so hard. It's terrifying. Yes, when I when I'm when I don't have a head full of therapy, 
I'll wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, that light looks like a lot like a train to me. And then when I'm in, <laughs> like, when my head's on straight, it's like, no, no, that's actually a light on the set that you're working on, you lucky fucking bastard. Right. It's all okay. It's all going to be okay. Wait, and you can cut this or do whatever you want. I loved the grinder. What Thank happened? You. What happened? I oh. loved it. You were hilarious. Fred, everyone, Fred Savage, fantastic. Every human in that show was great. I loved it. I don't know what happened. I am so glad because you have tremendous, and I'm not saying this because you just paid the show a great compliment. I trust your taste implicitly. And that I made a, a grinder fan out of you means a lot to me. Um, I I love that show. I loved it. It's my favorite. It, in, in fact, when it was canceled, I was like, I'm done with comedy. I'll I never do. I don't blame you. I'm never going to have a better fit. I'm never going to have a better group of people. I'm never going to have a show that I'm more proud of or funnier. It was every moment of it was perfect for yeah, me. Yeah, it was so good. It got, folks, if you're out there and you haven't seen The Grinder, uh, I, I don't even know. I think it's probably on Hulu would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, or iTunes. But goddamn, I love it's that show so, so much. funny. It's ridiculous and funny. It was so good. I, I don't, that that's what made me go, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Like the networks, I can't, I can't do it because they won't, they won't use their eyes and ears. All they're looking at is a spreadsheet. And I know that this business doesn't have time like they did back, you know, for Seinfeld and Cheers when, you know, Brandon Tartikoff would just wait for it to find its audience because he knew it was good, right? I know they can't they can't do that anymore, maybe is why they can't. Yep. Wait, but I'm out. I had the same <laughs> I had the same reaction and I, but I will say this though. I had to remember that when they sent me the script and it was so funny and so inside baseball in a great way and so eviscerating of network television that I thought I, I couldn't believe that they were going to make it. So I came from it for a place that I can't believe we got to do 22 of them on network television. Cause you talk about biting the hand that feeds you. No, we, we, we nod it off. That's their only way they can survive though. They can't be too precious. I don't think that you, that's why. No, that's not why. Well, that isn't, that isn't why they can't cancel. They just didn't, they didn't, they didn't believe in it. They, they, it wasn't, it truly wasn't their taste. I mean, they, and I knew we had a problem when they were so excited, I got the phone call from the, the higher ups and they were so excited that the grinder was going to share the night with John Stamos's grandfathered. Okay. And I was like, oh, we're fucked. They're, they're, yeah, they're like, those were different. Because that, 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 that show is, is, is it's, a, it's, just, it's just not the same audience. Our audience is the Parks and Rec audience. Right. Wasn't there it's, a transition at the network around then? No, they were the no? same group. Wow. It was because I thought they were just starting to try something new. Like, uh, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, and then they also canceled Last Man on Earth. Yes, that was the same. We had a, that was a really great run. Those, I mean, 
that was such a great show. You know what? You know what they do, though. Too. You know what the thinking is. The thinking, and I'm sure you do know this, is look, the grinder did not get great ratings. It did not, and neither did last night. We did. They did not. And but what it was was the new normal. I'm the king of new normal. I'm always on these shows that get the new rating. If you're like, oh my God, it's gone down to a point seven. Oh, it's a disaster. It's down to a point seven. And guess what? That's the rating now. No, and for then the they're dying years. for a point seven. They <laughs> the next year they're they would die for when a they point canceled seven. the grinder. Yeah. They never had another show ever that did that number. Right. I know. By the way, do you remember what Friends did just to blow my mind? Do you remember? Uh no. What those ratings were like? No, like twenty-three. A 23. Right, they're, 23? They're a static with a one. I know. A static. I know. Well, I know. No, I do know. I, I, I know that. I do. And and by the way, our 23 was always like, well, I mean, yeah, it's not Cheers. It's not MASH. It's a 23. But, you know, that's how it is now. So don't worry. Don't worry. When do you go back to do more Space Force? Um. Well, they're going to shoot in... May. So I'll see if I'm needed. Because I'm not like a regular. Oh, right, 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 right. You come in. Yeah. You have the best job in the world. You just kind of come in when they want you or when you can do it. It's great. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so that's May. So it'll be right before probably, you know, able to get a vaccine. <laughs> All That's right. how I look at everything. And I just went to London to shoot something. And I was a wreck before going because I can't help but take like a few steps back and just go, wait, if five years from now, I just imagine we're saying, wait a minute, I'm sorry. You flew to London weeks before vaccines were available, but that's when you went? Like the height of the <laughs> pandemic, huh? You're like yeah. doubling down. You're like, I'm going to do it. At its most dangerous. Right, but that's not me. I'm the one who's like, you're doing what? You're the biggest idiot ever. So I was now the biggest idiot ever. So it just made me a wreck, but I did it. It was okay. I'm back. I think danger I is your brand, Kudrow. I think when I think of you, I think- But I don't know. I'm Lisa yeah, Kudrow. Danger is my brand. I guess I am kind of very brave. But um, yeah, I, but it's not. that's not what I look for. Um, Kudra, one one last question for you. Taft High School. Yeah. What about it? That's where I went. Cheryl Burkoff. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's my wife. She went to Taft. She Wait. Been- well, how is that? I we've spent time together, but she's younger than me, right? She is. No, I think she's two years older than you. Okay. But you would have been there. I would have been time. there. But I mean, you know. You weren't really allowed to mix with the upperclassmen so much. You got to break out that yearbook and look for Cheryl Burkhoff. Oh my God! Uh, the Taft High School. It's, give 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 our our wonderful listeners some of your uh, the alumni of Taft. There's a uh, uh, Robin Wright. She There's, did. Yeah, well, I have it right here, and if it, if I have it here, it has to be true. Listen to this. Wait, this is the sound that's... of a prepared host. Okay. Papers. Papers. Papers have been printed out. Yeah. Um, Robin Wright, Ice Cube. Huh? Easy E. Wow. And Cheryl Burkoff. Oh, my God. Future wife of Rob Lowe. Wow. Look at that. Dave Cause. Really? Yeah. These 
He's the, the horn. Saxophone. He's the saxophone player. Yeah. Dave Cause was one of the people I um, observed to play the saxophone on St. Elmo's Fire. You're kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Well, I've known him since elementary school. Really? Yes. Did you know any of the Toto guys? What? No. Why would I? What do you mean? Because well, they were thrilling. all they were all from that sort of Tarzana Taft oh High my School. God. But they're older than I am. Did you know the Van Pattens? No. What the hell? What were you in a no, oyster? No, I do know. I do know. Well, well, I I mean I'm younger, but I uh. um Right? The Van Patten's were like the, the the Kennedys of the Valley. Yes. Well, yeah. No, I know that. And uh, but I grew up with uh, John Levitz. That's my that's amazing. Best John, was, John was our our first. first I heard first, it. It was hilarious. Guess. Did was, you hear it? I did. I listened to it. it was, he is hilarious. He is truly hilarious and truly, and I mean this with all love. And I would say to him, out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. But always has been. Always. Always hilarious. I mean, he hasn't changed. You know, he's the same. He's fantastic. No, he's like a brother. I mean, he'd call to talk to my brother and I'd be screaming at him because he would do a bit and I just didn't want to, you know, I'm like six years younger. I was the youngest. So it's like, John. (laughs) Don't be quiet. It's like, hello. Hello. This is John. I'm like, God damn it, David. (laughs) John's on the phone. Could, can you imagine him at like, how old would he have been then? 13. No. 14. Oh, I don't even yes. want to imagine it. My brother told the funniest story. They all went to a dance and I think it was in junior high school or something. John had been sent to go to Harvard school, you know, like Harvard mm. Westlake. It was just Harvard member, all boys. Yep. yep so boys he school. went with them to this dance because they were in public school. He went with them and John was just sort of like sitting on the side and they and they, they went over and went, John, it doesn't look like you're having fun. Are you having are you having fun? And he went, and he, it doesn't look like you're having a good time. And John went, nonsense. I'm having a wonderful time. I feel like dancing and got up and started dancing. He's like 14. So he nonsense. was that guy. Hilarious. It was a bit. Hilarious. Speaking of bits, and then I have to ask you this because I'm obsessed with Saturday Night Live. You auditioned for Saturday Night Live. Was that fun? Was it good? Was it what was that like for you? It was just a show, and I don't know that it was a real audition. They came to the Groundlings, and I think they were looking at Julia Sweeney. That's who they were focused on. Right. But Lorraine Newman said, "Look at Kudrow." So I love Lorraine Newman anyway. Yes. yes. But you know, forever just because of that. And, uh, and, and so, but they were there for Julia Sweeney for real. And my stuff wasn't, I don't think it was Saturday night live material. You know, it was barely grounding stuff, but I liked what I did. I remember I, I went with Lauren once to the groundlings and we were looking at this guy named Will Ferrell. Uh huh. This guy named, yeah. yeah. I think I voted him into the groundlings. That, I think that I is pretty amazing. Voting him like, yeah, yeah, he's really good. Yeah. That's, the Groundlings is an amazing, uh, just what an amazing legacy to, yeah, to be a part of. Yeah, Lovett sent me there. When I said, Lovett's okay, dead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act now, done with college, take a break from biology, and I'm going to pursue acting. He was like, great, go to the Groundlings. That's where I learned the most. I got to tell you something, Kudrow. I mean this sincerely. If uh, I, your journey 
to where you got, if I had to pick it for anybody, this is what I would do. I'd be like, biology, be a smarty pants. Then, then, you know, the creative comes up and you can't stop it. And then you go and you learn it, the groundlings. You don't go to some navel gazing. That's what I was afraid of. Uber serious acting school. You don't do that. You go, you go and you learn to listen. Yeah. And you learn to react and you learn to be honest and you learn to be funny. Yeah. Did you do uh, one of those acting classes? Like they're like cults, you know? Uh, oh, I, I'm aware. I did I did one of them with, um, uh, he's no longer with us. He was great, named Roy London. And uh-huh. he was, yep. and and Roy London was um, right when Brad Pitt started happening. He, Pitt was working with Roy London and Gina Davis at her height, right in that sort of, I want to say early 1990s. And he also, Roy London had just worked with an actor, I think his name was Kurt Boltz, great actor, great character actor and he was in Reservoir Dogs and he played the guy who gets shot at the very beginning. Yeah, I never saw it. It's too violent and scary it's for me. It's so yeah. violent. I mean, I haven't seen most things cuz Well, he gets shot so at the upsetting. beginning of Reservoir yeah. Dogs. Okay. Roy London's uh student shot dead and is in almost every frame of the movie lying there as a dead body. Oh, right. Okay. I and he was like sure. Roy was like um you need to pl- you're not dead. You are an actor. You're a living person. How can you possibly act a dead body? How could you? How could you do that? You've never been dead. You don't know what it's like to be dead. You are alive. So it is is it is incumbent upon you to be alive in this movie. So he played the dead body alive in in the entire Reservoir. How convoluted? Does this sound like I'm on pot right now? Does it sound like this is like a like this is like a dope? <laughs> What if you played it as if you were alive? But that's all really true. That was his his um, ethos. I know, but I don't understand. Play it like you're alive. So scratch an itch, take a deep breath, cough if you need to. If you fart, excuse yourself. Like I don't understand. <laughs> I how, how you what? That's what be, just be alive. I, I think it's just as simple as not playing, not quote unquote playing dead. I'm dead now. What does that mean? Like if someone pounds a table, you go, oh, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> you can't, that won't work in the part. I mean. No, because you're acting, you have to act like, so he's playing, he's he's playing dead. That's what it is, is if you're playing dead, then you play dead. Uh-huh. Right. Well, okay. So the first instinct <laughs> that you had as an actor. Yeah. You're not learning that at the groundlings. No. I, I love the stories where some like great actor, someone says, yeah, I mean, I'm just like, I've been working myself up. I've been trying to like clog up my ears. And it's like, right. You know, it's pretend, right? <laughs> that's what acting, you're pretending something. Well, that's, happening. that's the, I mean, it's been attributed <laughs> to many people, but I, I think it's probably Lawrence Dustin Olivier Hoffman Dustin and Olivier. Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> my dear boy, why don't you just try acting? Yes. But then on the other side of it, I've been on so many sets where either as a director or a producer, I'll finally go up to somebody and go, stop acting. Stop acting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You say that to people? Yeah. Ooh, I mean. fun. I can't wait to work with you. <laughs> stop acting. <laughs> Only as a measure of last resort. Right. Right. But, but and and you and inevitably you see it with young actors. They their eyes they just go, oh my god, thank you. They they, they go like, oh, because you yeah, know they yeah, want to yeah. do great. 
you know, and they they've been wor- they've been working on the scene. Yeah. No, my favorite note, my two favorite notes are either a line reading or yeah, you could do better. <laughs> Those are my oh. two favorite notes. I'm I like not just have more fun. I like just have more fun with it. Yeah, that I'm. I then I'm. I don't know what to do. Just have more fun with it. More fun. It's like, well, what do you mean fun? I don't know. Do I look like I'm having I don't understand fun that. to you? I'm very literal. I'm very literal. It's like fun. Well, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another one is um. Okay, that was great. So good. Just just great. Okay, let's just do one more. What? I yeah. Just to make sure we have it. Like, what do you mean? It's all digital. Why wouldn't you have it? Like, it's not like, you know, like a hair got in the anything. Yeah, I know. No, the, it's like, whenever right. there's that, when you hear the phrase, that was perfect. Let's just do one more. You know, you're in very bad hands. Right. Well, that's when I say, great. So I'll just do whatever I want. Since you have that and it's perfect. I'll just do well, that's Whatever that's the fun thing we did on, on Parks and Recreation. We did, um, which obviously is not, um, you know, Harold Pinter, but uh, we would do um, what was scripted multiple, multiple times. And then we would do a fun, what we called the fun run. And we right. could literally do whatever we wanted. Anything yeah. and everything didn't have to even be the scene. Oh, I mean, usually it was because we're professionals. We're not total idiots. Right. But we would do anything we wanted. And sometimes it made it into the show. That oh, was wow. a blast. That's fun. That is. Oh, that is fun. Ask so Greg Daniels. Why- Listen, when you go back to Space Force, you say to Greg Daniels, I'm only coming back if you allow me to do what you allowed all those other people to do on your other show, <laughs> Parks and Recreation, and I want to do a fun run with Carell and everybody. No, but they did allow that. Oh, they did. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. I loved doing it. It was really fun. Yeah. Here's it. it People ask me about do awards mean anything? Right. And look, I would be the, I, I am the first to I got there's Screen Actors Guild Award right above my head right now. So I'm uh-huh. like, look, I'm not one of those. Oh, they mean nothing. <laughs> look, I'd like they're fun. They're great. They're fun. Who? I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to win an award? That said, all you need to know is that Steve Carell never won an Emmy for The Office. That's all oh, you need wow. to know about awards. Wow. Who was winning? Who for was seven winning? straight seasons. Seven years in a row, there was someone yeah. funnier than Steve Carell on television? Well, I don't know. Maybe. There wasn't. Well, no, but I mean, what? but what else was there? Alec Baldwin? For well, in fairness, or Alec Baldwin, who is a genius. Alec Baldwin is, that his, his character on 30 Rock deserves to win every Emmy that ever was, and he did. But, you know, the other folks want, but Steve Carell, what? It's like after The Grinder, I was like, I'm done with comedy. If I... I remember seeing Steve at the last, the office was over and it was the last year and he was nominated and of course didn't win. And I hugged him and said, you will never have to come back here again. Well, I mean, by the way, the only good thing about winning is that you get to not be in your seat. Oh, yes. And you can you do other things there because that's, that's hard. But, um, but being nominated is a big deal, especially now there's like thousands of people <laughs> who could potentially be nominated. So, you know. Yeah. To me, a that's whole, a very big deal. But you're right. It's nuts that Steve Carell ever won an Emmy because he's so funny. I mean, he's just inarguably one of the funniest Well, that character actors. is, are you kidding, Michael Scott? Are you kidding me? It, it's, I know, I know, I know. I'm not sure I understand. So who, I'm, that's why I'm like, well, then who else was there? 
Well, I know I, I know Jim Parsons won one year. I oh, know right. I know John Cryer won one year, and then I think Alec won all the other years. I think. You know, the Emmys for a long time had this thing that was like a, a thank you to film actors who were doing television. Yeah, yeah I, I think you can also watch any award show and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to glean the sort of agenda of the body that's voting. You're like, oh, so in those years, it, the agenda was we thank film actors. I feel like there was. How many times did you win an Emmy? Never. Been nominated, no? never won. Wow. Never did. I know you did. I won once. I think I was there for it. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. It's fun. Did you have fun? Was it like? I Well, that was the only year we all weren't there. That was you the all only year there. I was the only one from Friends not. I was the only one from Friends there. So it was a little lonely. That's lonely. But But I was really happy really happy. I mean, I had just had my baby and I was like, well, I can't ask for, you know, I feel like I already won. Yeah. You know, there's so much. There's an abundance of, of riches. I, th- so now- I, I think you should take the Emmy to the set of Space Force and say, hey, Steve, you know what this is? My Emmy's broken, by the way. How do you? Oh, yeah. They're flimsy as fuck. The ball fell off. Yes. And so now the that winged person is kind of holding it. It's, it's, it's a really bad. bad, it's a really bad design. I could get it fixed, I guess. Where would you do that? I don't know. There's a lot of trophy stores, right? Where they would do something like that. That's a good point. A trophy don't, store. Don't I mean, people do metal work? Today's podcast of Literally, in which Lisa Kudrow and Rob Lowe discuss first world <laughs> problems like getting their Emmys fixed. Yes. There's nothing, we're nothing if not relatable, you and I. Well, and I like that. I mean, I like that we're of the people. Miami is broken, and I will get it fixed. <laughs> I did see. I did once see Tatum O'Neill's Oscar. Oh wow! In the salad days, and it had mold on it. Oh, and that was depressing. Look at that! Wow. Why? I wonder how on earth it got moldy. Green, whatever the greens, mold. It'd be mold, right? Green was fungus, right? But uh, growing on, well, okay. In the little, you know, in the legs and the buttocks. Oh, you really examined it. Okay, it was an Oscar. Hell yeah, I was like a twenty-year-old <laughs> young goes actor. On like in that in the butt of Oscar. Let's see. I mean, what's in that crack? Is there a crack? There is a crack. What's growing in that crack? That was your experience. Oh, uh, that's what you were examining yeah. the Oscar. Like, what's? Oh, look, there's a butt. And it's got a crack. I mean, it's like more defined than a Ken doll. My God. What is the genitalia of this? <laughs> mold. Like? Is that mold or uh, is it just happy to Devin, see me? <laughs> Devin's got his look going. Devin's got his, raw, oh, that Rob Lowe thought bubble like my mother. This is what dinners were like with me as a kid, Devin. <laughs> You're my, you've become my mother. Sort of entertained, but also kind of humiliated. And like projecting shame on me. You've become my mother and it's or great. Just, or just going, all right, what do I cut? And also going, yeah, this is going out. This for sure that. is not going to be in the oh, podcast. Oh, that whole history lesson with the Hessians and the... Uh, the Hessians, okay. who cares about that? that? That's People out. People only right want to know about Phoebe shit on the right. show. Out. Just, just get to the Phoebe shit. 
I know. Did he say Phoebe? Where's the clickbait? No, no, she didn't. Fall Phoebe for clickbait. What do we got going on here? <sighs> this is just so fun, Cooter. I know. I'm gonna. I, we could talk all day. And, and well, you have a hard out that you missed 20 minutes ago. I know. See what I, I was like when somebody told me. I said, "I will not." I was like, I went like I went like Tom Cruise crazy ballistic. I was like, "I will not give a hard out to Lisa Kudrow." Do you know what I live with? I am on the phone with podcasters and advertisers. There will or, not be a hard out. Or whatever that word is. Advertisers. That's pretty good, by the way. Or advertisers. Advertisers. upset. And I'm having a stroke. <laughs> a stroke. <laughs> That's oh, clickbait. My. Clickbait. Rob Lowe has a stroke. <laughs> All right. Lisa, God bless. Yeah. So good to talk to you. You too. Let's find an excuse to do something again one of these days. Okay. In your producerial hat, be thinking, and I will be as well. Sounds fun. Love you. Love You're you too. Bye, Bye. Cheryl. That was so fun. God, I could have talked to her forever. I hope I didn't talk to her for too long. You guys weren't bored, right? Because I wasn't. I was just talking and yapping because... She's just so damn delish. She really is. Lisa Kudrow, delish. Um, anyway, thanks for uh, for, for listening. And, and uh, by the way, y'all, um, don't forget to give us a review. Throw me a bone, would you? Uh, over on wherever the hell you can review this damn thing. Because apparently it means something. This is what they tell me. I'm new to this. I know nothing. I'm just trying to put on a show. But um, thanks for listening. And I hope you loved Ms. Kudrow as much as I did. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by me, Devin Tory Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Talent producer, Jennifer Sampas. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here, there, but when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it, and I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires.